a movement, not a monument. I know we've done a lot of standing, but I'm going to ask you to stand with me one more time tonight. And then I'm going to have you be seated. You know, with all this standing, if we'll tighten our core, we'll work on our abs. <laughs> I told somebody one time we were visiting a church, and it was every, after every other song, we were sitting down, and then we were standing back up, sitting down, standing back up. And I was like, my goodness, I feel like I've worked my hamstrings. I feel like I've pulled one of them. You know, just all the sitting and standing. So after we're going to pray, because I've got several scriptures that will be on the screens tonight that uh, support my my, my thoughts, and, uh, but I want us to pray, and afterwards we can sit down, you put your feet up, you can do whatever you want to do for a little while, but let's pray, but as we pray, I want to ask you to do me a favor, pray that God would, of course, anoint us to hear His Word and things, but I really want you to open your heart and really examine yourselves and where we're at in our service for the Lord, not just come, you know, well, I come to church, that is fantastic, but so does the devil. You know, the devil misses a prayer meeting. He never misses a service. He don't miss nothing. If he would pay tithe and quit causing trouble, he'd be the most perfect church member. But we know that he don't do those things. But let's really examine, God, where am I at in service for the kingdom? Because God's got a word for us tonight, all of us, myself included. And I'm looking forward to what he has to do. Can we pray together? Father, I'm so thankful tonight for your spirit that's in this place. I'm thankful, Lord, for the atmosphere of worship, God. For the testimonies, Father, where are the expectancy of our faith, God, where you answered that. God, where you healed my sister's back, Father. Where she's not had pain all day. I pray you continue, God, to touch her. I pray, God, I bind the enemy who says, well, fine, I'll give you a little bit of back pain here and there. He's a loser and a liar, God, because your work is always finished. God, it's always complete. What you finish, what you start. Thank you, God, for confirming... Father, open doors for my sisters, God, last night. Thank you for touching others that we may not even know about yet. But God, you're not finished, Lord. You want to continue to talk to us. I pray, Lord, you open our ears to hear your word tonight. Though it may be my voice, let it be your word. I pray, God, that you would open our minds to understand your word, our hearts to receive it, because, God, even on our best day, we're still messed up. And, Lord, we know that you can fix us. We know that your word can break the anointing or break the bond that is on our life, God. The anointing that is inside of us can break the yokes, God. I pray you anoint our feet, God, to apply it to our life. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen Amen. and amen. Can you take those? That way I'm not tempted to play with them. You can be seated. And as you're seated, look at your neighbor tell them, you've got to move it, move it. You've got to move it, move it. Let me ask you, what comes to mind? Now, if you preach with me, we'll get through this quicker. Quiet makes me nervous, and when I get nervous, I talk. And so, I'm just going to give you that right now. If you feel like I'm preaching too long, that's because you're being too quiet. So, we'll see. What comes to mind when you think about the church? It's probably not the same thing that the first century church thought of. From inception, the church was, and it is still formed, out of the moving of the Holy Spirit. Am I, I'm in a Spirit-filled church tonight. I believe it. I know I am. It was never intended to be a work that credits man only, but rather an unstoppable move of God. It's a movement to give witness to the belief that Jesus died for our sins, that He rose from the grave, proving that He was who He said He was. As the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter number 2, the church became more than just a group of people. The church itself became a movement. 
Now, the word movement is defined as a group of people working together to advance a shared agenda or idea. We know this because of what our, our, our text could say when in Acts chapter number 2, or in the book of Acts, it says that the, the church continued in the apostles' doctrine and that they had all things in common. It says they continued steadfastly. They continued daily in doctrine. That's the word of God. And they had all things in common. Now the Greek word for church, some of we all may know this, is the word ekklesia. And that word means the called out ones. It means we, there should be a difference between us and the world. If we're standing in the Walmart line and there are people who are living worldly all around us, we should not look or be able to blend in. As you can tell, I'm a tall fella. My dad used to calls me a full two-liter bottle. I'm a big guy. I don't hide very well. No matter where I go, I can't, I can't just blend in with the crowd. They know I'm easy to point out. And that's how we should be with the church. My sister last night when I walked in, my, one of the church mamas here looked at me, and before she even asked me my name, she said, You must be a pastor. And I said, Well, I, uh, I am. She said, well, you look like one. I didn't know how to take that because a lot of preachers I know are overweight. And so I'm thinking she called me fat in a nice way, but I'm not sure. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. But she said, I could tell. There was something about me, and I believe that it was just maybe the anointing on my life, or maybe I just got that preacher look that, that others have. And, uh, but, you know, there should be something about us that stands out amongst the crowd. The ecclesia is a movement of believers. The church is a movement of believers that is called out around the mission or agenda of the kingdom of God. But something has happened over the past several centuries. The church has gone from being a movement to being a monument. We've gone from, you see, a monument is a building. It's a structure or a site of historical significance. The church has become nothing more sometimes than a symbol of what it used to be. A symbol of what used to happen. In the Pentecostal church, we want to talk about the shout of the old church. We want to talk about how in the old church, we used to have shouting services and how people would just run the aisles and boy, people, we've gotten away from that and we need to get back to that. And though I love having a good time in the presence of God, if my shout don't have no clout behind it, it's nothing than a tingling brass or a sounding cymbal. It doesn't matter. Because the devil don't care how much we shout. He'll let us have church as much as we want to have church. What he doesn't want us to do is become the church. He don't want us to be the church because God did not just tell us go into all the world and have good services. He said go be my people. The church has become a symbol of what it used to be. It hangs on to its historical traditions and events more than it seeks out a fresh move and touch from the Holy Spirit. We introduce people to legalism and religion more than a relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe this shift in fundamental thinking has changed the way people relate to the church and how it functions today. For too many people, the church has become a place to attend or of an event to sit through instead of a movement to which our lives are launched. Here is, here is the one thing about a movement that makes it a movement. Are you ready for this? This is going to blow your mind. Get ready. It moves. 
A movement is a movement when it moves forward. In the church of God, we don't, you hear the international overseers and things call the church of God a movement within our movement. Why? Because they, we believe that we're cons- consistently moving forward in the furthering of God's kingdom through the efforts of the collected body. It moves exponentially. And it's time for the church to once again usher in and release a great move of the Holy Spirit in our communities, in our cities, and in our nations. It's time once again for the church to stop turning a blind eye or a deaf ear to the cries of the harvest and instead run to the lost and hurting. We are not just a reminder of the past. We are not just a shell of what used to be. We are not a memory of a day gone by. We are not a social club. We are not monuments nor memories of a greater time. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are not silent and longer. We are a movement of God's grace. We are a movement of God's power. We are a movement, not a monument. In order for this movement to continue, we must look though at two of the most important characteristics of this movement. Quickly tonight, we're going to look at the mindset and the mission of the movement. Now let's talk about the mindset. The, mind, the word mindset, I'm a definitions guy, it helps me because I'm not the brightest bulb in the box, you know, but when I know, something, when I know what a word means, I can understand what I'm talking about and reading a little bit better. The word mindset means an established, established, you can't change it, it's already set, an established set of attitudes held by someone. I like the word established because it, is, it means having been in existence for a long time. It lets us know that there is a mindset that has never changed. This mindset was the same in the first century church and it's the same mindset today. It was this mindset that Jesus had. It was this mindset that the Apostle Paul had. The Apostle Peter had. Those in the upper room had. And the Bible tells us to let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. The first part of our mindset is that of unity. Acts chapter number 2 verse 44, it'll be on the screen. It says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now this, when we, we need to have our mindset on unity with each other. This does not mean we're always going to get along because we are different people. This does not mean that we will always agree with each other's ideas or thoughts. But the word unity means to be joined together as a whole. We may not, not always agree, but we are always joined together. We are joined together by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are joined together by the grace and the love of the Father. We are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We are one body. We are one church. And we are declaring one message. That message is still Jesus Christ and in Him crucified. That message is still being filled with the Holy Spirit. That message is still without holiness. It is impossible to see God. The message has never changed. Methods have changed over the years the church may have changed but the message has never changed that message is still the fullness of the word of God the grass may wither the sun will fade but God's word will never fade away we must strive for unity you see our anointing comes from unity Psalms chapter 133 verses 1 and 2 it says this behold that means pay attention wake up see what's going on behold how good and how pleasant it is 
is for brethren to to dwell together in unity. Look at what verse 2 says. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. I like how he classified whose beard it was because Aaron was the first high priest that was set in order in the Levitical priesthood. So he said it's not just running down some random guy's beard. It's running down the beard of the priesthood. In today's culture, that's you and I because we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are the anointed of God. He says it's running down the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments because without unity church, the church cannot last. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5 verse 12 or 12 verse 25, he says, but Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Abraham Lincoln threw this verse in one of his speeches and that's what he believed when he was joining the confederate states of America together with the north and abolishing slavery because he believed that there were foreign powers that knew they could overcome America and so he had to unite a divided state. Unite a divided country we cannot give place to the enemy church we cannot allow seeds of discord to grow and take root we must pray for one another we must love one another we must work together no Pastors can't do it by themselves. Pastors can't be the only spirit-filled people in the church. Pastors can't be the only one wanting people to be saved. Pastors can't be the only one wanting the church to move forward. It takes all of us. It takes every single one of us. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell tell them you complete me. Come on, tell them you complete me. We must work together. We need one another. Don't allow bitterness to disconnect you from the body. Don't allow unforgiveness to separate you. Don't allow personal preference to stop you from moving forward. Cherish, nurture, and protect the unity of the body. Church, we must be one. We are not in competition with anybody. We are not. I was on the phone with a lady in my church today, and we were talking about something. She said, well, we're competing against the bigger mega church. And I told her, I said, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not in competition with anybody. I am in competition and going against the kingdom of darkness. I am in battle. I want every church to succeed. Did you know that if there was a church literally on every corner in Springfield, there would still not be enough churches if the city of Springfield would get saved? We would still have to plant more churches. I'm from, you know, we pastor in St. Charles. There's mega churches all over. And when I first moved there, I the Lord what are we going to do that these mega churches aren't doing but God spoke something to me he said I didn't bring you up here to build another big building I didn't bring you up here to have another big congregation I brought you up here to be effective in my kingdom and to have fruit where I plant you and to see good things happen and see what I would do through you it's the same thing awakening church of God but in order for it to happen there must continue to be unity amongst the body there must continue to be harmony between the shepherds and the sheep there must continue to be unity amongst the ages I'm not telling you you need to bridge the gap between young and old I'm telling you you need to close the gap between young and old I don't believe in bridging gaps because bridges can always be crossed fill that thing in grab the shovel and get to work and close that gap church mamas church papas teach the young ones young ones learn from them because there's going to come a day where us young generation of folk is going to be the patriarchs of the house 
Should the Lord tarry? And if we are not in unity awakening church, then what we're doing here tonight is null and void. It does not matter. We are just wasting our time because if we want the anointing of God to fall on us, then the body must be in unity. Yeah. Hank Williams used to sing a song, Well, my bucket's got a hole in it. And when we have discord, and don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. When we have discord, we may have a pretty bucket, but it's got a hole in it. And all the oil that God is spilling out, you don't put new wine into old wine skins because the old wine skins can't handle the weight of the anointing, can't handle the weight of the oil. So the first mindset is that of unity, but the second mindset is that of steadfastness. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. The word steadfast means dutifully firm and unwavering. No, I'm not going to be moved. We must be unwavering in our beliefs and doctrine. We cannot be swayed by the currents and opinions of culture or society. We cannot be sifted as wheat. We must stand firm like a tree planted by rivers of living water. We shall not be moved. We used to sing a song in the old church that said, Anchored in Jehovah, I shall not be moved. How many of you remember that song? I shall not be moved. Though the tempest rages, I shall not be moved. I'm on the rock of ages. I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by rivers of living water, I shall not be moved. I remember a verse though that talks about a tree that's planted by rivers of water. It's found in Psalm Psalms chapter number one. He says this. He said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is upon the law of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Do you delight yourself in the word of God? Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Do you get excited when it's Bible study time in your home? Do you look forward to reading the revelation of who God is? He says, His delight is upon the law of the Lord and on that law he shall meditate therein day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water whose leaves shall never fade away and it will bring forth its fruit in its season. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 58 Paul tells us this. He says therefore my beloved beloved brethren be steadfast, immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I think sometimes I know life gets hard but church don't give up I know the pressure of life can be a lot to handle but don't give up I know it's not always sunshine and rainbows but don't give up you will reap your reward if you faint not do not grow weary in your well doing keep waving the banner of God's kingdom keep fighting the good fight of faith stay connected to the body and don't give up there's the old saying when the going gets tough the tough get going Keep praying, keep pushing, keep moving forward. Because if you're not moving forward, then you are no longer part of the movement. You have become nothing more than a monument. You have become nothing more for people to remember how it used to be. But God doesn't want us just to remember of what he used to be. He wants to show us who he is today. He wants to show us who he will be tomorrow. It doesn't have to be this way. You are an overcomer. You are mighty. Don't give up. Don't stop. Make life journey and just don't stop believing 
You have to keep pressing forward. You have got to stay in unity. We have got to stay steadfast because if we are steadfast and immovable, there ain't no kingdom in hell that can detour us. There ain't no devil that can take us down. Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail prevail against it. So come what may, come hell or high water, come whatever stress that life can bring me, I will not be moved. I believe the statistic today is over, over 1,500 churches a month close its doors. Why? And we want to talk about there's churches everywhere. No, there's not. No, there's not. There may be buildings. There may be signs on the road. But that don't mean that's where the church is at. I'm not trying. I don't have a church in mind. I'm not thinking about anybody specific, but I'm just letting you know what my perspective is. Just because you put, you know, church of God or whatever on the sign does not make you a church. Just as much as sitting in the garage doesn't make you a car. What makes us the church is being covered by the blood. What makes us the church is being filled with the Holy Spirit. What makes us the church is having all things in common and dwelling together in unity. So let's talk about the mission. The mission of the movement, John 17, 18. What is our mission? What are we sitting here to do? Have you ever wondered that? What's my purpose in life? You come to awakening, whether this is your first time, you've only been here a few months, you've been here a few years, or you've been here decades. You've been here through the transition of, of leadership, through of buildings, of name changes, and all these different things. No matter how long you've been here, we all have that thought pattern. Okay, I'm here, so what, do I, what is my purpose here? What can I do? What, God, what is my purpose in life? We all have that. Well, I'm going to answer that question for you tonight. We understand that the great commission of Matthew 28 is to go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But how do we achieve and finish this great commission? Now, I believe in order to understand the, this, we must look at John 17. Because Jesus said, as you sent me into the world, he's praying, talking to God the Father. He says, as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And so to understand that, we have to look at what Jesus was sent to do. Now this is found in Luke chapter number 4, Luke chapter number 4 verses 18 and 19. Believe it or not, y'all, I'm almost done. This is something that I'm calling the Luke 4 Commission. You won't find that heading in Scripture. I coined it myself. I may trademark it. I don't know. We're going to break down this Luke 4 commission. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So first of all, before I get into the commission, let me tell you this. Before you're commissioned, you're empowered. All right, every single one of you, under the sound of my voice, from the youngest to the oldest, I said this last night, you have the Spirit of the Lord upon you. You may, well, pastor, I don't have all the energy I used to have, or I don't have strength in my bones like I used to have. That don't matter because the Spirit of the Lord is still upon you. We are not, we, are, we're, we haven't moved on from here. We haven't gone in the grave. The rapture hasn't happened. So while we're here on this earth, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And you are able to do what God is calling you to do. Everything, God is not going to call you to do something. He's not going to give you the, the empowerment to carry on. So you, this, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now look, because... Which means that word because means it's for a purpose. And believe it or not, the purpose isn't just to jump. 
The purpose just isn't to shout. We love that. We enjoy that. But it's not just to have good church, remember. But it's for a reason. Acts 1.8, he says, And you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be what? Witnesses. Proof. You will be proof of my power. He says, Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So first thing we're called to do is to preach the gospel to the poor. Now that's not just talking about those without any money because there's probably a lot of us that can say, I'm poor. I'm poor. If we go by, well, you know, there are times where my bank account says, don't even swipe the card. You know, there's times my wife will say, Josh, can I go get this? I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. Nope, we're living by faith. We can't, man shall not live on bread alone. In those times, though, the poor was cast away from society. They were considered to be lower than low. Nobody even ever paid attention to any of them. So when we say to preach the gospel to the poor, just as Jesus went to the castaways, so must the church. We must go to those who have been forgotten. We must go to those who have been cast away by sin. We no longer, we shouldn't go to them looking for anything in return other than their salvation and transformation. That's the problem with the church. We're cast, we're fishing with poles. And the problem with fishing with poles is the bait is specific to the kind of fish that you're wanting to catch. You want to catch catfish, what do you use? Stink bait, chicken liver, all that nasty junk. You know, you've got all these different lures, but God didn't tell us to fish with the pole. He told us to fish with the net. And so the problem is we're only preaching the gospel to those who we feel can benefit the church. That's good right there. We're only preaching the gospel to those that we want in here. Well, we want to be a white church. Well, we want to be a black church. Well, we want to be a traditional church. Well, we want to be a contemporary church. I don't think God knows what those words mean. Because God doesn't see a traditional church. He don't see a contemporary church. He don't see a black church, a white church, an Asian church. I think we need to get rid of all that and start saying, we just want to build the church. We just want to build the kingdom and stop just going after people. We think, oh, they'd make a good kids pastor. They'd make a good youth pastor. And then we get them in here and they crazy as all get out. And they do all types of crazy stuff. And we're thinking, boy, God, you missed it on that one. God had nothing to do with that. God's saying, stop just going going after one demographic go after everybody I told my church I said I told them because we do a mixture of older songs and newer stuff and the lady leading the singing she'd say we're going to do old songs so in one practice I said stop saying old songs stop saying new songs and just sing the song because to some people I'll fly away is brand new and to others half a couple of the songs tonight we've done I never heard before and people are saying well they've been around for years I don't know we got to stop labeling and putting everything and backing ourselves into a corner. No, we don't need to landlock ourselves to be traditional. No, we don't need to landlock ourselves and say we're contemporary. We just need to stand on the platform that God has given us in the, in the methods and tools that God has given us and say, whatever we are, we're the church of God. We are the blood bought and we are preaching the gospel to the castaways, to the red, the yellow, the black, the white, the rich, the poor, Democrat and Republican. We're we're preaching the gospel to everybody who will hear it. We're preaching it to the judges, to the lawyers, to the doctors. We're preaching it to the single mothers, the single fathers, the grandmamas, raising their grandbabies. We're preaching it to everybody. Anybody who will hear. He then Jesus goes on to say, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You see, when we're brokenhearted, it means that there is a hole in our life. A void has occurred. 
We no longer feel like we have fullness or a complete life or value. But Jesus come to give life and life in abundance. Jesus is the balm that heals the brokenhearted. He's the answer for the void in the lives of all who are hurting. The church has the answer for the brokenness in our city and in our nation. The answer has been and will forever be Jesus Christ. And we need to let him use us to help heal the brokenhearted. The answer is not a small group. That's good, but that just brings discipleship. The answer is not a good serve, you know, just a good service. The answer, because let me tell you something, sometimes when I'm in the doctor's office, I don't feel like shouting when I get a bad report. Sometimes when I, I'm in certain areas of my life, I don't always feel like having a, a shundai and cutting a rug for Jesus. But you know what? Something I always have, and I said it last night, and I'll say it again, I've always got the power that is in the name of Jesus because Jesus is still the balm of Gilead. Jesus is still the lily in the valley. Jesus is still the bright and morning star. Hey, Jesus is still the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is still the first and the last. He is still the author and the finisher of our faith. He is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus is still speaking. Jesus has still got something to say. And there is coming a day where he will still be coming in on a white horse. He will still be defeating the armies of the people of God. And he will still be making his throne here on earth. So let me tell you something. You may be broken hearted baby but just use the name of Jesus and watch him make your life whole but pastor oh when I was a youth pastor I had to deal with this mess all the time I loved him I loved her you said that about the last person I just don't think I can go on let me tell you something and maybe I'm being extra bold tonight because I'm leaving tomorrow. <laughs> Parents, we better be teaching our children how to deal with disappointments in life. We got too many babies committing suicide. Sometimes, yeah, we want to tell them if they're being bullied, report it to the authority that's over them. But you know, sometimes we also got to tell them how to deal with a bully. Sometimes we got to tell them how to deal with a broken heart because life is sometimes going to cast us down and walk all over us sometimes. I have so much more I want to say on that, but I'm not going to. I'm so sick and tired. Seven, eight-year-olds committing suicide. Kids committing suicide because they got broken up with made an eternal decision on a temporary hurt. But parents, adults, everybody, we do the same thing. We leave the family of God. We leave the church. We walk away from the faith. And we make an eternal decision based on a temporary feeling. Well, based on a temporary pain. But can I tell you that God still cares about our temporary pains? God still cares about the brokenhearted and those who are broken and bruised. He said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, church. As we, when we came to him, we were not in the best seasons in our life. I was broken and bruised when I came back to the Lord. After a season of backsliding and living for him, I was broken and undone without God and his son. But let me tell you something. We have to get this right. We have to start teaching once again the bloody gospel. 
gospel. We've got to stop just teaching that Jesus is just your best friend and all that because we're taking away the sovereignty of his lordship and understand that though he is a friend that sticks closer than any brother, he is the man who bore the stripes on his back for you and I. He is the man who took the crowns on his thorn. He is not some wimpy Jesus. He is a man's man. He can take more pain. He took the sin of this world, bore it on his shoulders, carried the cross to Calvary, conquered death, hell, and the grave three days later. Also, he can heal the brokenhearted. And as he was sent, he sends us to proclaim, he says, liberty to the captives. The captives are not just those people in prisons. To be captive means that you are prison or confined. It means that you're hindered by something that is beyond your natural control. You see, we are a movement. Is this okay? Everybody still with me? I will. Thank you. I just needed one person to say. I'm with y'all. We are a movement of limitless possibilities. Not limited resource. We have the kingdom of God and His resources at our disposal. And we must use it to set at liberty those who are held captive. Those who cannot move forward. Those who have no hope. Remove the limits. Get rid of the excuses. Let go set the captives free. Set families free. Set children free. Set other members of the body free. If you're here tonight and there's something that is holding you captive and will not let you move forward in Jesus. Maybe it's a, a church hurt from years gone by. Maybe it's somebody using you as a doormat and you feel broken. I set you free in Jesus' name. Be set free by the love and power of Jesus. No longer be held captive by legalism. No longer be held captive by personal preference. No longer be held captive by guilt of our past. But let's move forward in freedom and in God's presence. As you go out, as we walk throughout our lives, we're going to meet people who are held captive. People within the body held captive by man-made traditions and legalism. People who are held captive by their past. But church, we are not. And let me tell you how we, we sometimes add fuel to the fire. We, how can I say this? Help me, help me get this right. We look at people in their current state and we curse their future. If my brother right here, Blake, right? If Blake right here was just an alcoholic on the street, he's, you're not, right? Okay. Because if you were, I'm just getting ready to say, God's getting ready to speak to you. <laughs> and we see him like that. We say, well, he's just an alcoholic. No, he's not. That's a son of God who is bound by sin and despair and depression. There's a reason the bottle's in his hand. And it is our job. It's got a ball in his hand. It is our job. No, I'm good, brother. It is our job to go to him and show him the way. Brother, you don't need the alcohol. Go to the single mother who's working two jobs trying to provide for her children, held captive by a hurt of a husband or a boyfriend or whoever leaving or whatever the case may be, is trying and struggling. It's the church's job to go up and lift our sisters and our brothers up. Let's not curse people, but let's speak life into them. Your current situation may say you're this right now, but the Word of God says that you are the apple of His eye. The Word of God says that you're the whosoever that He died for and that you don't have to die and go to hell with without him you don't have to live life without him you can be free in Jesus name 
He goes on to say the recovery of sight to the blind. This is both physically and spiritually. People are walking around to blind to the love of God. They're walking around in darkness and it's time to call them out of darkness and into His marvelous light. No longer walking like we cannot see where we're going. Moving forward in the God-given purpose for all of our lives. People are blinded by their own lustful desires. Fleshly desires. Let me, can I go ahead and say this? And I don't believe anybody here is. But I'm just going to say because we're broadcasting all over Facebook and somebody may read it. But if you are okay with the occasional drink, then you're blind. If you're a supporter of politicians who stand against Israel and who stand for abortions, who push immoralities in our cities and nation, then you're blind. I don't believe politics belongs in the pulpit. I'm not up here promoting a candidate. I'm up here promoting the Word of God. And you say, well, who I vote for is who I vote for. That's nobody else's business. I'm not telling you to vote Democrat or Republican or nothing like that. I'm saying whoever we vote for, we're coming in communion with what they stand for. And whatever they stand for, the number one reason, I'll tell you who I voted for, I voted for Trump. And I think he needs to get off Twitter. I think he's crazy. I think he needs to get his hands and talk under control. But I'll tell you the number one reason why I voted for him. You ready? Because he believes Israel. He believes in Israel. And the Bible said, blessed is the nation who blesses Israel. That's why. I know he's nuts. I know he's got, you know, and the secret service is probably going to knock on my door because, you know, the, the man is watching. But can I tell you, I pray for our leaders, city and national. Because I don't, I'm not in their position. I know what it's like to be a pastor. Whew. I know what it's like just to have a few people criticize every decision I make, you know, and wish they could vote me out and vote somebody else in. I, I, I know what it's like to do that. I couldn't imagine what it's like to have all the states working against me. But can I tell you, and I, don't, I don't care what your political affiliation is, God is blessing America. God is blessing America because people who have walked around blind has been seeing the light. He is the only president, love him or hate him, he's the only president, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it. He's the only president with an evangelical board of preachers who allows them to come into the Oval Office, lay hands on him, and pray in Jesus' name. He is the only president to move the capital to to Jerusalem, the capital of Israel to Jerusalem, the where it's supposed to be. He is the only president who on national TV at Easter time will stand and say we celebrate the, the death and resurrection of our Savior. He is the only president to do that and not worry about any other repercussions. So excuse me if I don't have time for people who want to be closet Christians and who want to walk around blind and have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. They want their cake and they want to eat it too no we need to tell them choose you this day who you will serve but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord people are walking around blind people are walking around not able to see but church we have the light of the world inside of us and it's time to flip the switch and let the light shine in the darkness it's time awakening church of God my goodness you're on sunshine street so let the sun shine Hey, I'll buy my own tape. We need to let his love shine. Bill and me brothers used to say, just let your love flow. Come on, we need to let his love flow. Yeah, I know who they are. But look what he goes on to say here. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's different than being held captive. 
Because we can, we can choose to allow oppression to have rule over us or not. The word oppressed means to cause someone to feel distressed, anxious, or uncomfortable. I'm going to tell you something about me that's a little personal. Is that all right? The doctors several years ago tried to put me on anxiety medication. Because within my flesh, I have anxieties. Back in 2000 and Hey, before you walk out of the sanctuary, Candace, what year did I have that attack? 2013, that's when it was. Thank you. She said, daughter's crying. Hurry up. I don't know. Leave me alone. In 2013, I had a major anxiety attack. I was working, pastoring the church in Cape. My mother and father-in-law had got was sick, so we moved back to the Leadwood Deloge Farmington area. We're still pastoring the church in Cape, driving down on the weekends, working in construction with my dad's company at Iron Mountain Lake on the or I had Iron Mountain Rock Quarry quarry. I was going whenever they called and I was loading rock trains. Plus I was remodeling a little single wide trailer that was on my mother and father in law's property for Candy and I and at that time it was just Elijah and Josiah was just a, a newborn. I had a lot going on. I had a lot of people Asking me, why aren't you doing this? We need to be getting this done, that done, blah, 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 blah. I wasn't really taking care of myself because I was on the job site at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, and then sometimes I'd be loading rock trains all the way up till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning whenever they would come in. We'd be loading one train, we'd get a call, got another one coming in, I'd have to stay. And so there was one morning I got up and put on my tool belt, and I got over, started hanging siding, and I just didn't feel right. And I, I said, something's wrong, my mouth started tingling. How many of you, some of you may know what I'm talking about, you're like, ah. Almost like you just, then your, my mouth automatically went cotton mouth. I was like, I sat down on a plank, on a walkboard, and I started, whew. I told my dad and uh, Joe Johnson, a, a friend of mine, I said, guys, I'm going to go home. Of course, my dad's like, are you serious? He's like, I don't feel right. Well, go. I went and I put my tool belt in the back of my truck, boom, collapsed in the neighbor's yard. It was almost like the 50-pound tool bag was holding me up. Weeble wobble, but I didn't fall down. And once I took that tool belt off and did it, I collapsed. And I just began bawling and I began shaking and I just began apologizing and I felt like I was a failure. And I felt like the weight of the world was coming down on my chest and dad picked me up and threw me in his truck and drove me to his house and I went upstairs and laid down. Well, that's where we were staying with my mom and dad while we were remodeling and my mom and <laughs> my mom, bless her heart, my mom and Candy come up and they're like, what's wrong with you? What's the matter, Josh? Just talk to me. That's how my mom talks. Just talk to me. And I'm like, oh, I, I thought I was saying words, but all they were hearing was, blah, 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 blah. and my mom goes, do you want a Xanax? <laughs> so let me tell you something. With Xanax and Jesus, I made it through. She gave me a pill. I was in bed. I slept for three days. I'm not lying. But ever since then, I, my flesh gets overwhelmed real easy. If I feel like, you know, and, and the doctors, they wanted to put me on medication and, and even the devil come to me. And let me tell you something, I know what it's like to feel oppressed. 
I know what it's like when I feel like I'm facing heavy criticism and, and my flesh says, Josh, and I can, every once in a while my, my, my wife will see me, that my, this side of my face will kind of start drooping when I, when I start feeling that anxiety building up. How many of you is almost like Tabasco sauce is filling up? You just feel it and that my side of my face kind of starts drooping and she's like, what's the matter? And I'll tell her, I say, my anxiety levels are just a little high today. And so I will go, but let me tell you something. God has set me free from that. I may be bound, my flesh may be dying, my flesh may be struggling with that, but I I am not a man of flesh. I am a man of faith. And I believe that by his stripes I am healed because I will not feel. I believe what Paul says to be anxious for nothing but in all things by prayer and supplication. So let me encourage somebody. You may be secretly going through these things but when you feel that rising up just whisper his name. When you feel that coming up just remember he is the prince of peace and he will give us peace that passes all natural understanding. Don't be oppressed by fear. God has not given you that spirit. He's given you power, love, peace of mind. Don't be oppressed by low self-esteem. Don't limit or identify yourself by your weakness or by your past. You are a child of the Most High God. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. He don't even remember your past. He threw it in the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered against you again. So if God ain't going to remember it, I'm not going to remember it. Let go. Let's go to the harvest field. Let me give the musicians come. Let's go to the harvest field and set at liberty those who are oppressed. Show them that there is a better life. Declare if you've got pain, he's the pain taker. If you feel lost, he's the way maker. If you need freedom, if you need saving, he is the prison shaking Savior. And if you got chains, he is the chain breaker. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that he broke every chain. Robo I feel his presence in this place. Just worship for a minute. Just let me have my moment. Oh Jesus. Oh, I thank you for breaking the chains of pornography off me. I thank you for breaking the chains of drugs off of me. I thank you for breaking the chains of womanizing off of me. I thank you for breaking the chains of tobacco and nicotine off of me. I thank you for breaking the chains of criticism off of me. I thank you, God, for breaking the chains of sin off of me. I thank you, God, for making ways out of no way. I thank you, God, for taking my pain on the cross. I thank you, God, for being my chain breaker. Hallelujah to your name. And I'll forever praise you, God, not because what you are going to do, but God, because what you've already done. Because if you've done nothing else, God, you have done enough for me to live of life and freedom. And then he says this. He's anointed me. I've come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. These first three to four things, I would call that revival. I would. I would honestly call it. He's come to bring revival to the land. But then he's called to bring purpose to our lives. You're saved on purpose. If all God wanted us to do was get saved, then He would have killed us when we said, forgive us of our sins. Okay, amen. There you go. Sometimes, my sister, I wish He would have done that. There are times I'm ready to go, church. 
When I look at the craziness of this world, my brothers and sisters, I say, even so, Lord, come quickly. But he's called us to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Proclaim today is the day of salvation. Declare God's goodness today. Declare that the earth is still his and the fullness thereof. Proclaim that God's not dead, that he is surely alive. Proclaim the favor of God, the mercies of God. It's time that we lift up the name of Jesus to let his light shine through us in these dark days. Not a dim, barely showing light, but a light that destroys the darkness. John chapter 1 says his light shone in the darkness and the doctors darkness could not comprehend. We are a movement church that is unstoppable. We are that unstoppable force. But we have to choose whether or not we will be a part of the movement or just another monument, statue of historic facts. Will you give yourself wholly to the cause of Christ? Will you serve Him completely? If your answer is yes, then awaken in church. Let's move out. Let's roll. If you can say tonight, you say, I'm going to answer that call. You may be a teacher in the church, board member. You may say, well, I sing on the platform. I'm the secretary. I'm the treasurer. I, I have a position in the church. I don't, we're not talking about positions right now. But you say, I'm going to be a part of the movement, not a monument.